Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Watt. Excited to have you here again for another episode where we interview an expert on how they can help you get the best practices inside of your practice. And uh, again, I'd just like to thank everybody for sharing this show with your friends and colleagues for helping us build up the audience that we have. I'm so impressed every single month when we get the numbers back of how much we've grown and so grateful for you guys being willing to share that. So thank you very much. Also, don't forget to follow us on all of our social medias, our Instagram. And if you like watching Dino dance kind of crazily, TikTok, you can go up there too. And definitely our Facebook group. Uh, thank you so much again for helping us grow this community. As always, our goal is to help you get the best practices for your practice. Today is one of our opportunities where we get to meet with an expert in their field that will help you, whether that be yourself financially, emotionally, and your uh, relationally, to be able to grow. And today is no exception. Uh, this gentleman is somebody I've known for quite a long time, actually. And if you've listened to the episode before with uh, Garrett Gunderson, I think I've done two episodes with Garrett, uh, with Mike Isom that we've had on the show as well. Actually, we just released the, another episode with Mike. This is all, these are all people that I've gotten to know over the years and we're all, you know, friendly with each other. We actually support each other in their businesses. And I've seen Derek go through and, and help people first emotionally. I remember Derek, when uh, you were focused on the sole purpose aspect of things and helping people really understand what to do because why they're doing something right to really understand that. So our guest today is, doc, is Dr. I almost said Dr. <laughs> I've had that happen to me before. People interest me, Dr. And I don't stop them because my mom's super proud to hear that. But uh, Derek Vaness is our guest today on the show. Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dino. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. The shows we've done together in the past, like when I've had you on my show, uh, it has been just a total blast. So I'm sure today's going to be no exception and uh, just excited about it. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I love about you, Derek, is that you're like me and in the sense of you're an evolutionary entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. Like you see what's happening in the in a business space and you'll learn more about it. You'll go towards it. And it's not that thing where, I don't know about you, but growing up, it almost felt like you had to choose a career and that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life instead of going, well, I enjoy doing this thing here and I like this thing here and I want to learn more about that. And whether that be what I've been doing with the selling to the screen stuff, but still doing things in the consulting world with my doctors, right? You've had this evolution right. as well. One of the things we do on this show is we always start with people's story. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Wow. Long story, but the, the real short version of it is um, I was a, a house flipper. I was a real estate investor for eight, nine years, flipped 170-ish properties and was just cranking away in Los Angeles doing a, you know, 25 to 35 houses a year. And of course, we know this little blip came along, the mortgage meltdown in 2008, 9, 10. And what I learned from that whole thing was, even though I'd made all this money and put a bunch of it aside, at the end of the day, like, I, I wasn't doing the right things with my money. I was really good at making money. I wasn't so good at taxes. I wasn't so good at keeping the money. Uh, I was good at spending it. I had a lot of fun and I've got some good stories from that. But when all that ended uh, in a blaze of glory, I had to figure out like, what do I want to do with my life? Because house flipping wasn't a thing for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Like you could buy them, you just couldn't sell them. Right. So I had to really reinvent myself 
And, uh, and I kind of ended up in the financial world. A friend of mine in Houston, Texas said, Hey, move from LA out to Houston. Let me just tell you, I did not want to do that, but I was desperate, man. I really was desperate. I was rubbing, rubbing nickels together after being a, a millionaire. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was quite a fall from grace and moved out to Houston and, and got into the insurance industry. I didn't really want to be in that, but what I discovered was like, I love teaching people about money and finances. Like when you sit across from a couple uh, with young kids and you talk to them about what's possible and, and they're looking for answers and they don't understand things and you're able to answer questions and help them put together a plan. And all of a sudden you see the light bulb go on. I was like, wow, I would have never thought I liked this, but I absolutely love this. So jumped from that into working with Garrett Gunderson because he came to me and he said, well, you've been an entrepreneur. You have this this sort of self-aware background. You have the experience with insurance and financial products. That's what we need in a coach. So he brought me in and over the course of the next seven years, gave me a chance to work with about 1500 business owners and entrepreneurs, a lot of dentists, a lot of chiropractors, a lot of medical people, plus a smattering of everything else. Right. So I, I just got to really see what's happening with people's finances and that really kind of, that was my version of like, you know, running the stairs at five in the morning, right? Some days I did 13, 14, 15 client meetings in a day. So it was, it was a ton of repetition. And, and once you do things enough, you know, the Stino, you start to see the patterns, right? It becomes really clear. Oh, here's what's going on. Here's what they're not saying. They're telling me all the right stuff, but there's this part they keep skipping over and you learn how to dig in on that. You start to figure it all out. Yeah. So Fast forward from that, uh, working for someone else just wasn't my thing, right? It was great. I learned a ton of stuff, but I was like, I, I want to go back to having my own business and controlling my own income. Yeah, you're an entrepreneur at heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a lot of freedom within that, but it, but there were some limitations and I just, I kind of had to spread my wings. So I went back to flipping houses because the money was so good. And I realized very quickly, I like people so much more than I like houses. I just, <laughs> I just do. So about a year and a half or two years of doing that, I was making pretty good money, but I was like, you know what? I really have to get back to helping people. So that's when I started Big Life Financial back in 2016 uh, and have been going full-time at that ever since. And like you said, it's been an evolutionary process. We started out, Michael Isom, who you mentioned, was one of my mentors and so was Garrett. So I got to learn from literally two of the best people in the world at what they do yeah. uh, directly one-on-one. Uh, and then started doing that for a couple of years. And what happened was just what you said, you get in there and the world changes, your client base changes, and you start seeing, Hey, my clients need this. My clients need that. I should figure this out. I literally created free real estate courses, figured out all kinds of tax strategies, all kinds of things, just because that's what my clients needed Sure. and started climbing that ladder. And, and as I was telling you before we started the show today, like, it seems like every month I learn about some new creative strategy because, you know, now I'm meeting with high level clients. They're taking me into meetings with their CPAs, their estate planning people, whatever. And it's like, oh, they're doing this strategy. Tell me more about that. How does that integrate with what we're doing? So it's been such a fun evolutionary process because, you know, just doing the same thing over and over is good. You learn a lot, but you don't grow as much. You, You just get really good at that one thing. So what I've done is tried to slow the progress. So I don't just go straight up, but really get the reps, but continue to grow with my clients. And that's led us to a couple of key things that have really started to move the needle for our, our clients these days that they just aren't getting elsewhere. 
And that's really exciting when you can come in and bring something new to the table that's yeah. making a big difference for clients. Yeah. Well, that's, that is the exciting part, right? Is, is the creativity that you get to have when it comes to, uh, I, I think one of the challenges most people have when it comes to finances and money and, and taxes, whatever, is people aren't as creative as they could be. True. And on the other side, there are people who are angry because they see people being creative. <laughs> and it's a matter of just understanding what the game is, right? Uh, I know like you have books like The Infinite Game with Simon Sinek and talks about like business isn't a finite game. It's infinite, mm -hmm. right? There's mm -hmm. no winner of business. The challenge is that there are actual rules though that not everybody knows. And the more you learn those rules, the more opportunities open up for you. Mm -hmm. I often say, I usually give a little example when I go out to my offices and I talk about setting up some boundaries and some rules for our time together. Mm -hmm. And I give an analogy about being at a, at a playground that has no fences around it, but two main highways, very busy highways on either side of the, the, the park. You only let your kid play in a very specific area, dead center, right? With you right. standing around them. But once you put fences up and you put those rules up, the higher the fence, the stronger the fence, the more you let that kid play anywhere they want and they can go around and, and do anything you want without your supervision because they're trapped mm -hmm. they're in as trapped into one certain area mm -hmm. those rules allow us to play more and so when you're talking about every month finding out something new and learning something new or going into a new meeting, meeting find something something new it allows you to serve better as well because now 100%. you're more of a value to your patient or your patients or your clients yeah a hundred percent i mean to, to the same analogy, like I always think of it as remember when you were young and you were playing a new game with a friend, right? And you're playing cards and you're going along and they do this thing and you're like, you can't do that. And they're like, oh yeah, I totally can. That's part of the rules. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that rule. So I couldn't make that move. And that's such a big part with the financial world, especially when we get into the tax code. Like yes. the people don't realize this, the tax code is literally as big as the Harry Potter books, yeah, right? but a lot less interesting unless you're making money from it, right? And it's saving you money. Then it gets really fascinating where you're like, oh, I can cut my taxes in half if I know this stuff. So yeah, we've, we've continued to dig in and find experts in those areas, but the clearer we get on the rules, like you said, the closer we can go to the edge because we know where the edge is. Yep. If you don't know where the edge is, you got to stand way back or you risk falling in, into the the abyss or falling into the highway. You get to lean on the edge. You get to, you know, you could push up against that in the sense of not doing anything uh, unscrupulous, but using the actual rules to help yeah. you win the game. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very interesting how, how opportunities arise when you understand that they're there. That sounds so like, duh, Dino, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we had Jim do on, and I was thinking about him when you were talking Jim Dew is a, is, he runs a family office mm -hmm. for people who are billionaires. Right. Now it gives you a whole new opportunity when you understand all these different tax strategies and investment strategies that allow you to not just have, you know, uh, build your own wealth, but also to have generational wealth mm -hmm. that if you do it correctly and you teach your children, your posterity about it, about those opportunities, then it opens up more opportunities for them. Most people think the opportunity is going to college or, you know, oh, I want to give my kids the best. So I'm going to send them to the best schools. No, give them the best education and knowledge around how to keep more of their money. As you were saying earlier, you're mm -hmm. making a lot of money, but just obviously not keeping all of it. Right. Yeah. That's 
so important to me, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and those people where they're missing the boat, in my opinion, is like, people think college is like the top of the mountain. And I think of college as base camp. It's like, okay, we're getting climatized so we can actually like make the climb, right. And climb all these different mountains because it's almost like going to school is like, you learn how to learn. You don't stop learning after that. They just taught you how to like well, retain now, things. Nowadays is not even that. Nowadays it's, you know, you're getting degrees and things that are not going to benefit you outside of, of, of school. I mean, yeah. 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 There's That's, so much going to go into that is crazy. Yeah. It, it's definitely a broken system. And I would dare say if I had to roll some dice and make a bet, education will not be the same 15 or 20 years from now than it is right now. And that's why people who are putting money into, you know, education-based plans and that kind of stuff. I'm like, maybe there's a better way to do that because you're going to be limited. Well, I don't want to get too off topic, but it's interesting. I just saw a thing with um, uh, Kevin O'Leary from mm-hmm. Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. I was talking with, it wasn't Lewis Howes, it was someone else. And he was saying how if you would have asked him, you know, a year, two years ago, what the number one field to go into when you go to college, he would say uh, number one, two, and three are engineering. He's like, one, two, and three engineering. You're always going to get a great job. You're going to go and figure something out. You're going to make a patent and you're going to make a ton of money off that patent or whatever. Mm-hmm. He said, but over the last two or three years, especially with the pandemic, he's changed his mind. And mm-hmm. he sees now the creatives, the people who are videographers and photographers and uh, writers and people who can tell a good story either visually or through the written word are the most valuable people. He goes, if you can write me or you can show me a great video that can explain what I'm doing in 30 seconds, 45 seconds, that's a $150,000 product that I will buy as I know the importance of it. The point being is we are so conditioned into this is the way to do it. I'm going to bring this all the way back to like taxes or uh, strategy is that we are so conditioned of, no, I have a CPA. No, I have an accountant. I have doctors that I talk to all the time. Oh no, I have this really great accountant or a bookkeeper uh-huh. or, or I have this one company and I was saying it's interesting. This one company that they're just really, they know what to do in the dental world. Mm-hmm. Like, what Do they know what to do outside of the dental world? Like, do they have other strategies that they're looking at? So it's about being creative. Again, we're going to go back to that. How do you create this creativity that is so valuable so you can actually get more and also give more. Right. Well, and and here's to your point, uh, something that I see a lot is people think a CPA does everything. Yeah. That's like saying, well, you're a dentist, you're a doctor. So do you fix broken ankles? Right. Do you work on pets? Mm -hmm. Do you adjust spines? No, those are all different kinds of doctors. Right. So to say you're a doctor is like saying you're a CPA. Well, most CPAs, uh, are either auditors, meaning they work for big companies and audit stuff, yep. or they kind of go into private practice and they do like some taxes and some other kinds of things. But CPA has nothing to do with being a tax specialist, yeah. right? And you can hire a bookkeeper for like 15 or 20 bucks an hour. It is not a high skill job, no. right? So a lot of people lean on their CPA to be all their doctors, so to speak. And they're just simply not. And, you know, talking with your your friend who has the uh, the family office. I'm sure that the point came up. People think that your CPA is your number one guy to save taxes and they're not. Yep. Below $250,000. Yes. Cause it's all about write-offs, 
write off this, write off that, pay yourself right, pay your kids, Augusta rule, blah, blah, blah. Once you get above about $330,000, you jump into that 32% tax bracket plus state taxes, right? So let's say your average state tax is 5%. So you're in a 37% tax bracket. So you're given more than a third to the government, pushing 40%. Um, at that point, all these other tax strategies are about where can you put money that gets tax write-offs, right? What can you invest in? What can you donate? Where can you run it through different entities? That's not what CPAs do. They don't do any of that stuff. Right. And even, even some of the specialty stuff that we're going to get into with like what we do with research and development credits, that's a specialty that your typical CPA doesn't do. It's a tax thing, but it's a specialty. Just like in dentistry, there are specialties that most dentists don't do, like sleep dentistry or yep. you know, certain certain kinds of surgeries or oral surgeons, that kind of thing. Like that's there's people out there in tax who are just good at like one part of that. And we want to lean on those guys because your regular CPA doesn't do it. And and they don't even know that they don't even know, right? right? It's not that they're bad guys or anything. It's just outside of their scope and they, they don't even know, and you don't know to ask them. So that's the big thing here with this creativity is the creativity comes in. Like how, how can we look other places rather than just that one central place to find solutions? Well, let me ask you this then, Derek is how do you get over the skepticism? Because as you are bringing up new ideas or mm -hmm. if people learn about new strategies, people become skeptics because, well, if, if it's so great, why is it everybody doing this? Uh -huh. right? And that comes up a lot, whether it be talking, you mentioned Michael, you know, and Garrett, if, mm -hmm. if you're talking insurance strategies, if you're talking about, right. as you said, different entities, mm -hmm. you know, people only know what they know and they definitely focus in on the, the fear tactics that people, other people who, you know, Oh no, this is the only way to do it. You're uh -huh. like a good example. And, and I, I don't, you know, just, credit him at all, but uh, Dave Ramsey is a good example. You know, sure. people look at that and say, well, Dave Ramsey is obviously very successful and he's got these methods and da, da, da. if he says that's crazy, then it must be crazy. Right. Right. But if you look at Dave Ramsey and you really break his stuff down. So he's like you said, he's playing to fear, Yeah. right? Fear of debt, fear of the government controlling you, fear of, of, I don't have control of my life. And let me, let me, let me just say this. If you're in deep, deep debt, a lot of Dave's stuff works because right. he's going to say, get control of your life. Stop being a knucklehead. Don't yeah. spend dollars you don't have. Pay off your debts. And that's really good at getting you to zero. That's right. But if you want to grow, if you follow Dave Ramsey's advice of no debt, you'd never get an education. You'd never buy a car. You'd never buy a house until you could do so cash. Well, here's the thing. If you never got the education, how are you ever going to buy a car or a house cash? You wouldn't have any skills, right? right? So the people listening to the show get it. Like you have to invest in yourself to grow, right? Well, especially the people listening to the show, right? I mean, there's, there's, I don't know of any doctors out there, dentists or donuts, anybody that created their startup with all the money they needed to do their business cash. Yeah. Right? I'm, like, I'm sure it's happened somewhere, but I don't know anyone. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, it's pretty rare. Like, yeah. you, you know, you're going into debt because your business model and your business plan is showing, Hey, this justifies me going into this much debt in order to make this much money in order to, you know, give yeah. this service to the world. So, yep. Um, yep. okay. So let's pivot real fast to your, uh, uh, big life financial, because well, first of all, I really love the name. I think it's a great name to think about and like the deep dive into like, Oh, I want to have a big life. What does it take to have a bigger life? I don't know what thought process you went into, but that's just what I thought when I saw it. Yeah. Um, 
But let's talk about how you have kind of specialized in an area that not a lot of people are talking about and how they can utilize this for their advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just give you the, the big life financial idea was when I was naming it, I was, you know, I was a big Simon Sinek fan and mm-hmm. also was a purpose coach with Garrett prior to that. And so I was really like, I want a, a business that talks about why we do what we do. And I kept asking myself, why do I want to do this? Why do I want to do this? And, and I want to live a big life, but I want to help people live their biggest life. Yeah. And the way that we do that is we help you get money out of the way so that you can do the things you're here to do as a human being. And the systems we teach create certainty. We're not into this gamble, risk it all, bet the farm kind of stuff. We're into get really good at what you do, put your money in places where it always goes up, be super tax efficient, and then structure your life in such a way that you can leverage other people so that you can you know, have employees and all that stuff. And you can have the freedom you want in your life, right? right? When we do all that, now we gain control of our time by using some of our resources and, and we can live that big life. We can really get past, okay, I got to survive and we can get to what's the di- difference I want to make in the world. How do I want to move the needle? Yeah. Right. And so one of the, the main things that we found with what you were asking about the research and development credits is it's something that's so primed for anything medical, right. And it also applies to engineering and manufacturing, but like in the medical world, every single thing that you do is unique. In fact, in dentistry, we could almost classify a lot of dentistry as like a custom manufacturer, right? You're manufacturing teeth, you're manufacturing fillings, you're going in and evaluating the structure of an object. This happens to be human and all the elements that go into that. And we're coming up with structural solutions so that this person's mouth and jaw and everything work, right? And so it's actually uh, super easy to classify a lot of this as, as research and development. A lot of the work the dentists are doing in their office and orthos are doing in their office every single day qualifies and they don't even realize it because when we hear research, we think, Oh, I've got to be publishing studies. I've got to be in a white lab coat with beakers. And it's not that think about all the guys that are teaching your CE credits. Are they in the back room doing that? No. What they did was they ran a practice. They tried some new stuff, figured out what worked and what didn't work, did some more, got better at it. And over time they developed new science and a better way to do it. And now they're teaching it to you. And right? for the most part, everyone's trying to do that every day. How do I do this better, faster, stronger? You know, like you're right. And, and mo- that's what most study clubs are. That's what most uh, these events are. are people just show- sharing their cases. Yeah. This is what I was able to try to, to, mm-hmm. to research mm-hmm. out or develop. Oh, I developed this. Matter of fact, I just saw something yesterday. I think we've had him on the show. Uh, he runs a thing called OP Summit. His name is Glenn, uh, Glenn Krieger. He's an orthodontist. And mm-hmm. he has his and his partner developed a way to use black light to make sure that you're getting all of the res- residue uh, glue off of the teeth with invisible. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because you've just opened up my brain. I hope as, as anybody listening to this the same way, of like, oh, wow, all the different ways that you really do every day you're researching and developing, you're trying to figure it out, whether it be my buddy, Scott Law, who, you know, he would figure out how to skip a bracket, right? And go to the next bracket to help that tooth move faster and, 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 and cut down the time the patient's going to have. You're right. This is, a, this is kind of blowing my mind right now, actually, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's what makes dentistry and medical stuff so that it really checks the boxes. So just to like do a little bit of a deep dive, R and D credits, you have to check four boxes, like dollars you're spending, 
that are going to qualify and not all your dollars will, but the ones that do qualify check four boxes. The first two boxes are things that every business does. Are you looking to improve a product or process? Okay. Well, everybody's looking to improve their process, be more efficient as a business, right? Even if you buy a widget, sell a widget, you want to do it cheaper, faster, more efficient. Uh, The second one is, can you create more consistent outcomes or reduce uncertainty? So every business is looking to do that, right? We get better results more consistently. Those two are easy. The last two are what disqualify a lot of businesses, but don't disqualify dentists and, and medical professionals. And one of those is there's a process of experimentation. So there's an evaluation of alternatives. There's a trial and error. There's, there's things in there where you're trying to, you're doing testing to see what works and what doesn't work. A lot of businesses don't do that, right? There's not a process of trial and error. And the fourth one is, is it based in science? And this is probably the hardest box to check for a business like mine, right? Like we don't, we, we don't do engineering. We don't do software. We don't do biology. We don't do physical science. Those are the four sciences they're really looking for. So everything you do as a dentist is based in biology, right? And there's probably a bunch of computer science involved in all the stuff you're doing, especially if you're, you know, do even Invisalign, right? All the Invisalign, Invisalign's a home run, uh, CRAC machines, 3D printing, CBCTs, all that stuff are, they're home runs, right? Everything you're doing, there's all kinds of technology and everything involved in all that. And dentistry like has been crazy with that stuff in the last 10 years. The amount of changes has blown my mind. Absolutely. Right. So, so all of that leads us to a point where you're for a lot of dollars in your business and for a lot of dentists, it's more than 50% of the dollars are being spent on that, on the clinical side, like questionnaires, evaluating alternatives, scans, x-rays, talking through things, explaining to the patient, getting their feedback, figuring out what's right for them. Once the tooth goes in, you're refitting it, you're resizing it. Does this work? Or is it comfortable? How does the material feel like all these things that you're learning, getting feedback and getting better patients are getting better outcomes. And that's why they call it a practice, not a perfect, right? Cause it doesn't always work. Right. And that's really what R and D credits are about is they came about in the eighties to help the U S automotive industry compete with the Japanese cars coming to the U S the Toyotas, the Hondas, all that. That's like what started it. Yeah. And Congress was like, wow, this works so well. We want other businesses to do it. So they kept re-ratifying this thing. At first, it was just for big businesses. And this is why a lot of dentists haven't heard of it, is for many, many years, it was a ton of documentation and all kinds of spreadsheets to qualify for this stuff. But Congress realized, hey, this is working for big businesses, but small businesses don't have a team of people to document this. So they, in 2006, they created a simplified method. It's called the alternative simplified method. And that made it much easier and then in 2015, they actually, instead of Congress having to continue to re-ratify and make changes every year, they made it a permanent part of the tax code. So this has really only been around since 2015. Wow. And that's why a lot of people haven't heard about it. Sure. Honestly, it is currently racing through dentistry. It's like the hot topic on a ton of forums, a ton of new boards where people are like, have you guys heard about this? Has anybody tried it? Right. And we're one of the main people out there, like really helping dentistry understand this because- you know, a lot of the dollars running through your business are qualifying a certain portion of that you'll get back in credits and we can do a three-year look back. So for your typical dentist. So, so let's break this down though. So what, what am I getting? So I'm a dentist. I'm hearing this for the first time. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing research all the time. Mm -hmm. What are, what are the, what are actual brass tax benefits? Yeah. So, so brass tax, and let me just break down kind of how this works. Um, 
the biggest thing we're going to look at is your payroll, right? What, what is your payroll in your office? So let's say you've got a half million dollars of payroll. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our best. And the IRS kind of lets us ballpark this. We're going to try and figure out a percentage of that payroll that qualifies. It's called QRA, Qualified Research Activities. Okay. So maybe you say 40% of what we do qualifies, which is quite low for a dental office, but just okay. for, for easy, easy math, sure. right? So $200,000 of that payroll qualifies and the multiplier is usually between five and 8%. So that's 10,000 to $16,000 a year that a dentist would get back. Now, when we do a three-year look back, that would have been 30 to like $48,000 that would be coming back. But what we find is our typical dentist is between 30 and about $75,000 they're getting on a three-year look back. So, and this is all tax-free money. This is a refund. Uh, That's a three-year, three-year. So so 10 to $25,000 a year. But when we start doing the math and we're like, okay, you got $10,000 back on the low side, but what does it really take for you to get $10,000 if you're running at a 10% margin in your practice, which is kind of low, maybe 20%, maybe a little better. You still, you had to run $50,000 through the practice to get 10, right? So it, it really multiplies out to a real nice thing. Um, And then once we've done it, we can do it every year forward. So if you can get for work, you're already doing an extra 10, 20, $25,000 a year, uh, that'll pay for a lot of college. Every 25,000 counts. (laughs) Yeah. Every 5,000 counts. That's right. Right. But the, this is just money that's sitting there that, that people aren't taking advantage of. Now here's the thing that comes up all the time. They're like, like you said, why haven't I heard about this? Seems too good to be true. Is it going to help me get audited? The first thing I can tell you is, uh, it's not going to flag you for an audit doesn't mean you can't be audited because you can be audited anytime for any reason. Sure, right, right. 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 But the, we work with a couple firms that do the R and D work. The one we work with the most, cause we found they get the best results for dentists. Uh, they, I think they did 986 cases last year. They've been doing it 15 years. So let's call that, you know, maybe they're a little smaller in the beginning, a thousand cases. I mean, 10,000 cases over the last 15 years, sure. they've not had a single client get audited because of R and D. Now they've had clients get audited and they looked at the R and D and it was fine, but it didn't flag anything because this isn't something the government's looking to discourage. They want you to do this, right? I'm sure there's someone out there who abused it and got audited and it was a problem, but like, there's always, you know, a knucklehead somewhere. Exactly. But, but realistically we've done just with my firm. I mean, we've recovered almost three and a half million dollars for people in the last 18 months this wow. way. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Last 18 months. So it's been phenomenal. The results we're getting for clients. And if you can keep more of that money and then start putting it to work with some of the strategies that are out there yeah. or use it for additional tax savings, because now you got cash to put into those other things. Like it's a total game changer. It just snowballs so rapidly for people. Um, so it's just, it's been a total win for our clients and really transformed our business because we can help people win right out of the gate with money. And now they've got, got more to work with. So you mentioned the payroll side of it. Are there other kind of bigger, like kind of areas you can shine a light on that sure. people just don't think about? Yeah. So, so the biggest thing is payroll, but there's also what's called QRE, qualified research expenses. Mm-hmm. So if you buy a CBCT or you buy a 3D printer or you buy new uh, digital x-rays, capabilities or whatever, um, then those expenses count, 
but usually payroll is much bigger, right? Because even if you buy a hundred thousand dollar unit, like payroll is probably going to be five hundred thousand plus for a lot of practices. So, so the QRE helps, but I would say that the the payroll running through your business is probably the biggest thing. So generally, if someone's running at least I would say five or six hundred thousand through their business, which is pretty small for dentistry, right? Um, but even if you're in your first couple of years. Uh, and you're paying at least $10,000 of taxes because you can only get back as a refund what you've paid in. This is These R&D credits are a refund on taxes paid in. Yeah. Uh, then you're probably going to qualify. I mean, we haven't seen a dentist come back who didn't qualify. So I'm sure there's one out there, but if they've hit those benchmarks, like if they're paying taxes and they're, they've got 500 grand running through the business, there's probably a refund on the table for you. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's awesome. That's such an eye-opener for people to see how they can use these tax credits in a way that they weren't thinking before. Is R&D the, the kind of the main focus that you're, you're doing right now, or are there other areas that you're, you're helping clients broaden their tax horizons? Yeah. R&D is just the tip of the spear. It's just a really nice way to give you a big win up front. Usually what happens is, so we do a questionnaire and we gather your tax returns. Well, when we gather your tax returns, I'm going to look at them and see, are, are there other places that you can improve? And I find probably 90% of the time, you know, most dentists are in a high tax bracket. There's a ton of things they could be doing and they're not. Right. And so we, we start with that. Uh, then we look into, you know, tax advantage strategies and donation strategies and other things. But beyond that, then we, if it makes sense, we'll help them to do life insurance strategies, growth strategies, protection strategies, estate planning strategies. So we do kind of use this as our springboard, but even if all you did was R&D, it's a total win. And if we can work with your, your existing team or help you to do things or find things that you've missed, that's really what, what we love to do. On the back end, there's just so much more we can do for people, especially if you're making 350 plus, like it gets really, really important to keep more of your money. Otherwise you're just giving it all away. Wow. That is so cool. I always love finding and learning about little ways that you can, number one, keep more of your money, right? Because what's that saying? It's not about how much you make, but how much you keep, right? Yeah. It's a big deal. So making sure you're doing it as a business owner, I, I mean, I see so many small business owners, so many practice owners who are just getting that squeeze, right? By the way, huh? I just thought about this, the psychological benefit of when you're dealing with, there's a lot of HR issues happening now, right? A lot of hiring challenges happening. The psychological benefit of looking at your team members of, wow, like I know I'm spending a lot on payroll, but, um, but it's actually benefiting me in a lot of ways um, because of this. It's just, it's just that psychological thing of like, yes, I'm having to pay, like I said, $500,000 in payroll, but the benefit of that is that I'm going to get some of that back too, because I have this now newfound tax credit. Yeah. And the big thing the government wants you to do is go, you know, we just got X amount of dollars back. Let's go buy that new piece of equipment. Let's try that new technique. Let's go to the additional training, right? They want you to continue to do that because that spurs growth and science and all the other things that, uh, that are really, really important to continuing to develop and be world leaders. And that's, that's really what the government wants. Cause they know when you try new stuff, sometimes it doesn't work and you yeah. lose money. Yeah. And they want to kind of give you a little bit of money, a little bit of cushion to make up for that. Yeah, that's, that's really true. Wow. Wow. This has been so educational. I love it. I love finding new ways to help people 
save more of their own money and keep, you know, more of it or you get the tax benefits. And I think we live in a, a world today where this type of business that you've created is so beneficial to people who don't have the time to figure all this stuff out, right? That they yep. have to make sure that they are um, focusing on being the genius of what they do. I, you know, Mike, when he was on the show, he talks about this a lot of why are you going to go and try to figure out something that you're not an expert in, right? Your, your, your money, your, your resources should be focused on continually to build you up, mm-hmm. not how to figure out how to do this thing that you're not an expert at. Or um, interested in. So many people right. are spending all this time worried about the stock market and they aren't interested in it at all. And yeah. it's like, they're, they're killing themselves to learn about something they hate because yeah. they feel like they have to do something. And that's why like, like I love the strategies Mike employs and, and we do a lot of similar things where it's like, put your money in there. It's always going to go up when the right opportunity comes along and, and it's within something you want to do and you know about, and you care about it and you control it. Then you pull your money out, you go use it for that and grow that thing. And then when you're done with that, you put the money back in life insurance and it continues to go up every year. Yep. Right. It's just, it, it just takes all the pressure off and allows you to really focus on doing the most important things, not just doing something because you feel like you have to do something. Yeah, totally true. Well, he, he even called it um, most like you're doing it because you're bored. Yeah. Figure out a better way, like figure out how to engage in your practice again. Most people change focus or add something, or like you said, going to stock market or you know flipping houses or whatever, because mm-hmm. they're bored. Yeah. Of actually really wanting to do it. There's bored of what they're currently doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's funny cause I had a doctor who he was like, oh yeah, I made like $20,000 day trading last year. And I'm like, well, how much time do you spend? And he's like, oh, I don't know, like 10 hours a week. And I'm like, if you spent that on your team, right, right, exactly. you'd make a whole lot more than $20,000. Totally true. Totally true. Wow. Yeah. Uh, even finding a, like a, to feed my own ego for a minute, find a consultant that will help you have a better relationship with your team. Like you said, spend it on your team. Yeah. So, and then get better production out of them. 20,000, that's, that's, that's nothing. And if you think about that, break down 10 hours a week or whatever, that's not what your hourly rate is anyway. Like it's not a, no. it's just, yeah, it's just very interesting. Well, man, Derek, as always, you're a plethora of great information. And I so appreciate you sharing that w- with us. We've come to a place at our show where we always go through our six questions that are rapid fire, just off the top of your head answers. Are you okay. willing to play? 100%, let's do it. Okay. In your last couple of years of actually digging in with these private practice owners, you'll probably have a good answer to this, but what are the most expensive things that you see private practice owners missing in their practice? Uh, Not learning how to run their practice properly. Right. I think so many guys, like there's just tons of inefficiencies. And if they just got good at that, they'd make so much more money. So true. Uh, Tax strategy, right? Like they're, I mean, I, I have a client, we, he was, he made a million three last year, paid 600,000 in taxes. Oh he's, in Cal- he's in California, giving half of it to the government and just thinks that's how it's supposed to be. I had another client who was in a similar boat and she asked her CPA, how do I save money? And he was like, just get used to paying half of everything you make to taxes. I'm here to tell you, it does not have to be that way. It does well, not. Jim, Jim do is uh, on, on the podcast that talked about how, and this is where I first kind of like did a little Scooby-Doo like uh-huh, when he said, <laughs> um, he said, most of your CPAs are financial historians, not financial preparation people. Like they yeah. are, all they're going to just tell you that, yep. Yeah. You just get used to paying them, man. Nothing you can do. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Number two, what is a book that every private practice owner should read? Um, the one that comes to, off the top of my head is Traction. Oh, great book by Gino. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, in my book, The Practice Rx, I talk about how team culture and team performance is the foundation for business growth. Mm -hmm. What do you see as the biggest challenge that private practice owners are having when it comes to their teams and their culture? Um, I, honestly, the biggest thing I see between the really successful and the sort of successful offices is the really successful offices look at their team as a blessing and the others look at it as a necessary evil. Ooh, that's really good. Like, like they have to put up with their team instead of, wow, it's so great that I have these people to support and build this with me. Derek, that's really a great insight. And uh, I've been trying to kind of put my nose, my finger on the nose of what is that separator. And I do believe like mindset is a big piece of it, but that aha, hopefully those that are listening to this wrote, you know, are really seeing that <laughs> the way I am too, because it is. People look at that as like, oh, I got to deal with these people as opposed yeah. to get to. And yeah. it's a blessing. Wow. That's really a really good insight. We want to make sure people can reach out to you. So question number four is how can people reach out to you and get more information from you? Yeah. So if you just go to my website, biglifefinancial.com, mm -hmm. um, you can schedule a, a time to reach out or, or get an appointment. Or if you want to know a little about a little bit more about research and development, you can go to biglifefinancial.com forward slash research credits, all one word, all lowercase. We actually have a free book that kind of goes through the credits and how they work a little more detail than we did here today. But but yeah, you can set up a free call. We can talk R&D. We can talk whatever other things you want. But uh, yeah, free consultation that way. Wow. I mean, why would you not do that? Why would you not reach out and just get that free consultation to figure out to find out, first of all, more information, uh, educate yourself and man, this can save you a ton of money this year. So that's, uh, and going back three years even. So that's great. Yep. Yep. Um, this is a kind of a, a, a bigger question and it's, it's sometimes hard to just off the top of your head, think about it, but what's the best advice that you've ever received in life or business? Honestly, I think I, I asked a friend once, and this was kind of in my in between years where I'd made a bunch of money and then like lost it. And I was kind of trying to rebuild and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was bouncing around a little bit. And I, I asked my friend, I said, Hey, you know, I consider myself to be very smart. Most of my friends who make a lot more money than me at the time, uh, look up to me, like, why don't I have the financial success that I have? And he said, Derek, you need to find something that you really want to do and fully commit to it. He said, your problem is you're so good at things that you can do them for two or three years and make enough money. And then you jump onto the next thing for two or three years. And then you jump onto the next thing. And the best thing he told me is he said, find something that you can really sink your teeth into for the long haul, because every time you start to get really successful, you get bored and you go to the next thing and start all over. Wow. And so I think for me personally, finding something I can really sink my teeth into. And that's, that's why I came back to working with people because that was sort of during my, my real estate era when I was making money, sure. but unhappy, sure. he, he was like, yeah, you need to do what you really want to do. And you'll just, over time, you'll just get good. And, and that's totally proven to be true for me. Wow. That's great. So last question is what's the best resource or tool that every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice right now? I hope you say that. Um, right. <laughs> I, I honestly think what everybody needs, the most important thing you need is a mentor, a coach. Oh, nice. I think if you, if you have someone like we're, 
we're too close to our own business, right? You can't see it. You can't understand it. You're working within your own little blinders. Uh, I pay more than a mortgage payment every single month for my coach. And it has made, I mean, we've already done way more business this year than we did all of last year. And last year was our best year yet. So more than doubled our business. And, uh, and it's been because of a coach who like really came in, saw some of the limitations and moved those out. I just feel like if you have outside perspective and, and my three things, if you want to succeed at anything is you need to have a vision. Why am I doing what I'm doing? You need to know uh, how to do it, what to do it, and when you're going to do it, like a plan, right? To take action. And you need to have someone to be accountable to. When you know that you're going to have to answer to someone and say, no, I didn't do what I said, or I'm doing the opposite of what I said or whatever, like stuff gets done. And I think if you just, if you have a clarity of vision, you know how to do it and you have to answer to someone for it, you're going to make progress. And that should be beside your wife or your spouse. Yes. That Listen, so when I was a purpose coach, we used to have people do kind of a morning routine. We called it the power hour. Uh, and what I discovered was the worst accountability partner you can have is your husband or wife. They need to be your support system. They need to be someone who loves and takes care of you unconditionally. They cannot be the one cracking the whip. Right. It is really bad for relationships. There's quite often, and I know you work a lot with relationships. Yep. There's so many filters and things going on there. You need someone outside of you who you highly respect yep. and someone who's willing to lay into you a little bit or let you know when you're not carrying the load. So true. Yep. Wow. Well, Derek, thank you so much for being a part of our show today and giving us some great wisdom. Make sure everybody goes to biglifefinancial.com to get your free uh, um not evaluation, but appointment, I guess you would with uh, sure. finding out how you can use not just the R&D tax credits, but even more uh, tax opportunities for you and your businesses help you save more money. I love it when we have people on who just give us a different perspective of things. So thank you for doing that, Derek. Really appreciate it. Love to be in here. This is always fun. Thanks, Dino. All righty. Well, everybody, again, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Propreneur Podcast, where our goal here always is to help you be more productive, profitable, and proactive in every part of your life and business. We'll see you on the next episode, everybody. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.